Hey, what's happening? It's Monday, September 27th, 2021, Behind Enemy Lines. Yeah, it's Monday. I hope it's okay for you. It's pretty lackluster for me, as Mondays typically are. Uh, there's, there's a lot to talk about. Pretty good news day. We'll talk about Biden. We'll talk about Gavin Newsom. We'll talk about how annoying and really funny liberals are when they're losing. That's the best part, I guess, voting conservative is not just the winning, but it's seeing the left lose because they just, they're just babies, right? I mean, they handle it as well as they handled losing when they were like five. They never developed. They're, they're not the big, strong competition types, right? These aren't alphas. They don't know what suck it up means. And so we're going to talk about one particular election in Virginia, the governor's race, uh, between a Republican named Glenn Youngkin, who's a newcomer, which I like, and he's got a nice buzz about him. You know, McAuliffe has been governor before. He's a big name with the Democrats, big name in Virginia. He should be cakewalking this, and the polls are tightening with, I believe, about a week to go. Well, I'll get into the details of that election. We'll talk some other news. I want to start with the Senate Republicans did what they should do today, and they blocked the bill to suspend the debt limit and avert a shutdown, meaning that September 30th is coming. I talked about this Saturday. The government fiscal year, right, is over midnight September 30th. So today, they worked over the weekend. Congress had meetings in the House. They passed a bill as a temporary, like a bridge to keep the government open for a couple weeks while they work on the big giant really over $3.5 trillion uh, budget and you know what they call reconciliation and infrastructure. It's over a 10-year period. It's actually over $4 trillion, as I was hearing Steve Kudlow talk about it today. And what happened in the Senate today is a huge loss for Democrats, and they are freaking out, and it's fantastic. You know, Here they are with control of the House, the Senate, and the Oval Office, and they were talking big shit back in 2018 for that little window where the Republicans had a narrow margin. And they were saying how it's unconscionable that any party controlling both houses and the presidency couldn't get anything done. And here they are, tripping on themselves and each other because they can't get the Senate. They had no chance of getting the Senate to vote to give 60 votes today. Right? It was, it was party line. 50 to 48 it actually went because Schumer changed his vote. Right? Schumer's the Democrat leader of the Senate. Because I guess if he were to go <clears throat> and it was to be closer, procedural rules say he couldn't reintroduce the bill. So he switched his vote. It was defeated 50 to 48. Um, maybe he did an abstention. I don't know. It's all parliamentary crap. And I guess we need that stuff. But um, the interesting thing now is with the measure, this is from CNN. I love reading CNN when Democrats lose because you can, you can taste the panic and the overload, sorry, of estrogen in the articles when they lose their mind. With the measure failing to advance in the Senate, congressional Democratic leaders now have to scramble to determine a plan B. Yeah, they do. Because raising the debt, printing more money is a terrible idea. And yeah, there might be a government shutdown under Joe Biden's watch. And frankly, politically, let's step on his neck while he's down. Figuratively, of course. I don't think I would if given the chance and knowing I'd get away with it, step on the man's neck, but I'm talking politically. He has done nothing. He's 0 for 20 
of anything he's touched this year, his first year as president. And now the man has nobody, not even Nancy Pelosi, able to lead in a situation where we need a budget. You have to vote on a budget. They can't even get reconciliation passed, which is basically CPR to keep the government funded and open. I mean, it's Monday, the 27th. They've got three days to figure something out. And, you you know, the Senate isn't going – they have some procedural things they could do. The Democrats, if they wanted, they could essentially suspend the requirement of 60 votes and ramrod stuff through – but I don't think Manchin or Cinema, the two Democrats I've talked about before, are going to go for that. So they're screwed, right? They narrowly, by two votes in the House, passed this reconciliation, and it got shelled. Not one Republican came over and jumped on board, which is huge. So now they're back to plan to square one. Then now they're calling it Plan B. They're in trouble. Um, now, Schumer's promising fur- further action this week to prevent a shutdown, but did not outline a plan. He doesn't have a plan. They pushed all the chips in the middle, said, we want to do this massive, massive omnibus type plan and put that out there. And then said, oh, wait, everybody, I know you're not ready to look at all of that. We have all these different committees that have to come together. We started doing it Saturday. So in the meantime, since the end of the year is looming, September 30th, let's just pass a 500 something billion dollar deal raise the debt limit. Let's let's just get more money out there, get the government funded too while we're at it. And Republicans said, no, thank you. Now, here's, here's the meat of the story. It's possible Democrats could move to strip out the debt limit suspension from the funding bill and attempt to pass a clean stopgap spending measure quickly through both chambers ahead of the deadline, which Senate Republicans have said they'd support. So if they get rid of, right, this business about suspending the debt limit, Right. And basically open up to more borrowing, putting us more in debt. If they get rid of that, they take it off the table. The Republicans are going to vote to keep the government open. This happened after Trump was president. Last I remember when he when he he was elected, that budget going to the end of the year, end of 2016, before he was inaugurated, was uh, was not done for weeks. And it's happened before. Now, the government didn't in that case experience a shutdown. The Senate, Congress met, I think, weekly every week to just put money back in. I believe it's always called reconciliation, and it keeps the government open. They get rid of this debt ceiling business. They they pull out that little tricky measure of theirs. Then we've got a chance, right? And the government's going to be fine. People people aren't going to be furloughed like they have been before. Um, you know, basically told to not turn their computer on if they're working at home. And it's crazy. Government shuts down. It shuts down. Um, now McConnell was in a meeting today, along with Pelosi and Schumer. And they thought maybe Joe Manchin would be in there, right? He's the holdout Democrat, McConnell being the Republican leader of the, of the Senate, the minority leader, because the Democrats own it right now, but by like the narrowest of margins. Um, McConnell has made clear, according to CNN, for months that Republicans will not vote to increase the federal borrowing limit. He has. McConnell's threat has prompted out. Now, how is that a threat? It's not a threat. He's saying it's something you want. We're not going to go for it. He's not saying. It's something you want. We're not going to go for it. And we're going to punch your mom. It's not threatening anybody. It's not a Republican threat. Frankly, dickhead CNN, the threat is raising the goddamn debt limit. That's the threat. He's saying he's not interested. It's the same bullshit with COVID. Like not getting a vaccine makes you some kind of murderer. Like you're threatening people. It's not a threat. threatening anybody. He said, I'm not going to do it. 
Don't attach it to a bill. He said he wouldn't. They still did. Kiss his ass. They didn't vote for it. Not a threat. But this is CNN. McConnell goes on to say, let me make it abundantly clear one more time. We will support a clean, continuing resolution that will prevent a government shutdown. Uh, Also not a goddamn threat. Just a statement. He also said we will not provide Republican votes for raising the debt limit. Not a threat. A statement, you little bitches. Next time, listen. The guy's been around. He meant what he said. He's the minority leader. He's the one, and he's got a minority whip. They're the ones who get the votes going and get everybody aligned. And the Republicans held hand in hand on this one. As McConnell, oh wait, threatened. Give me a break. By attaching the debt limit suspension to the must-pass funding bill, Democrats are essentially daring Republicans to vote no and spark a shutdown. I'm sorry. The Republicans are daring the Democrats to raise the debt limit. Again, that's the threat. This is how reporters are now. Voting against borrowing on top of our borrowing. Voting against that is the threat. Not borrowing when you're already sickeningly in debt. That's not a threat. Incredible. Again, it's who they are. But I think it's fantastic. Because CNN's upset. And when CNN's upset, I like it. Yeah, I don't like... I hate reading the articles. I do it for you. Should be getting thank you emails every day. But no, I will get the occasional leftist sycophant, which is funny too. I should start reading them. Um, what the hell? McConnell threatened for months? No, he said plainly, we're not going to do it. And then when he doesn't do it, oh, he threatened us. No, he just did what he said he was going to do. Come on. And now it's the Republicans daring them. Republicans daring, or the no, the Democrats daring Republicans. No, I'm sorry. Republicans need to come out and say, We're dare, we dare you to do it again. We dare you to have the balls to bring that bill to the floor again with a, with a resolution to raise the debt ceiling. Do it. That's the dare. Because we'll vote it down again and we will shut the government down. And if the Republicans, if it has to do that, the Republicans have to be offensive, proactive, get out in front of the press and say, here's why. Here's how much debt we're in. Here's why the economy. We actually just had, according to Steve Kudlow, who used to be on Trump's cabinet. He was the big dog. He wasn't the treasury guy. He was basically one of his top finance guys working for Mnuchin. I mean, Kudlow's been around. And he said, our revenue right now is like like our tax revenue. Is like 19.3% of our total GDP, which is the highest rate since the 60s, meaning all taxes, sales tax, everything, consumer demands through the roof. One of the reasons we can't get supplies is there's tremendous consumer demand right now. People are buying stuff, which is great because things are getting more expensive. The problem is we don't have enough truck drivers. Have you, if you haven't heard, the, the, South, the Southern California shipping terminals which essentially it's like almost 30-something, 40% of all goods shipped in the U.S. I mean, the majority come in through the Southern California terminals. L.A., the big giant loading docks in L.A., Long Beach, massive operations. you got ships out at sea waiting for days because they cannot dock to unload. And then the ships that unload leave massive containers for days or longer. 
sitting before someone can actually pick them up, put them on a truck, and deliver them wherever the hell they're going. So we got that going on. But we we have <laughs> we have to have a Congress that addresses these things, and you can't. They want to borrow more money, right? They want to raise the debt ceiling. They want to spend more. And consumers are continuing to spend. And so this trickle effect of supply issues, our shipping cannot keep up, right? Congress has to get real. So we'll close out on that issue. Hopefully the Republicans stay strong and can actually put the threat to the Democrats, right? Because the Democrats talking about a threat and saying, oh, Republicans are threatening to vote down an extension of the budget because remember, it shuts down. There's no funding if they don't do anything come midnight this Thursday, September 30th. Well, the Democrats are saying, oh, the Republicans have threatened to block this if we raise the debt ceiling. I'll tell you right now, they're not going to do it. They're not coming to the floor again to raise the debt ceiling because they do not want to try to blame Republicans for a government shutdown when it's their choice to include that in a reconciliation bill that would keep it open for at least another week. That ain't happened. I'll be really surprised if they let it shut down as the party in power and then at the same time try to blame the minority party. Now, don't put it past them. It's something they do. They blame Trump for everything. So why not blame the Republicans for everything, right? And so we shall see. I certainly don't want the government to shut down. I know good people that work for the federal government, and they don't want to lose money. They don't want to be furloughed. So we'll watch and wait. Um, But again, let's enjoy it. It's Democrats losing. It's short term, but we'll have fun with it. Speaking of losers, let's talk about Gavin Newsom and what he's pulling. And this is a warning. We'll talk about Virginia in a second with that governor's race coming up. That's closer than the Democrats would like it to be, but... Terry McAuliffe is a known name there, so we'll get to it. But Gavin Newsom pulled the trigger, signed a bill making universal mail vote by mail permanent in California. This is the roadmap that the Democrats want for every state, not just California. And this is what will happen in Virginia if and when McAuliffe wins in his election next week. I got a debate coming up. I don't know if it's next week or the week after. I'll get in more details. I'm going to be starting to cover that one regularly like I did the, the recall. Because it's an important election to follow. It's a governor of a major race. But Newsom, right, fresh off the big recall win, he's got that Democrat legisl- group of legislators out there, right? Hard left California State Assembly and State Senate. They're going to do his bidding. The entire magic, as they will say, of universal mail-in voting for all of us in California is now permanent. Meaning California, as of Newsom's Inc. hitting that bill, is permanently blue. Barring a civil war, which I'm not condoning, unless they start it, then I'm not only condoning it, I'm encouraging that we win in the most brutal and quick fashion. Because we're going to go to war. I want to go to war Genghis Khan style. Right? We're going to make sure we win. We're make sure everybody weeps on the losing side, those who survived. I don't see it coming to that. God help me if they ever tried crossing the line, whatever that is, taking guns away or whatnot. I think they're not that stupid yet. But they are pulling something off here, right? 
everything they've ever dreamed of. I mean, this is just the beginning. Because remember, it, it's all about getting us to believe, getting the average American to believe that voting is some monumentally difficult thing for the average American, and not just the average American, but for the disenfranchised, the minority, the downtrodden, the minorities. They're the ones that are always up against it, right? That's what they want to paint you to believe. And so they got out there with these make a plan deals, get a ride, have a map, have backup, have armed backup, have your cousin with you. Like, like voting was a trip to Mecca. Like you were going to go days. Like you were trying to get to Noah's Ark. Like you're going into battle. When you got like a month to do it, early voting in every state, at least. I think Virginia opened it up like six weeks ahead for this governor's race with McAuliffe and Yunkin. But the narrative is what matters, not actual facts. And so make a plan. Get out there, early vote, make it dangerous. Well, that's not true. Every liberal you've ever known who's tried to push that there's some segment of the population that is disadvantaged based on the way they were born, disadvantaged with voting, it's a complete and utter lie. They know it. They don't believe it. They don't believe most of the things they say. Liberals are best at lying to themselves, not you and I. Or you and me. I don't have to say that right shit. I think it's you and me. But... It's, it's disgusting because they've now made it permanent. Universal mail-in ballots, permanent. 100% forever in California, it's blue forever. And they won't stop there. You watch. Paper airplane voting will be next because dropping it in a ballot box isn't enough for the disenfranchised or the downtrodden. Next, you'll be able to just take a piece of paper, preferably not white, because white is racist, probably preferably pink, Make the best, darndest paper airplane you can. Put your vote on it in crayon and fling it out into the sky. No matter where it lands, because we know they don't have good throwing arms on the left. So it won't go far. But those lazy-ass paper airplanes will probably count as votes, too. You watch. Crayon vote, paper airplane, coming to us by 2030. Probably in the state of California, because they won't stop. If some Republican sneaks out a win somewhere, you watch. You watch. That'll be, that'll be the next step. It's a mess. It's a mess. California's, I, I don't know. I don't know how it'll ever go red. Maybe Orange County will hold on to some seats. But they managed to cheat in that one, too, and take it away from those guys. They're not, they're not going to stop. They're not going to stop until it's all blue. Mayor's races, congressional races, you name it. Um, funny story, Megan McCain, who definitely pimps her dad more than she should, and um, but is a conservative that's allowed to be in the spotlight in mainstream media. She left The View recently. She had some pretty rough moments with that psychopath, Joy Behar, who is Jewish, but based on how she acts and how she talks, would have made a great Nazi. I mean, that is an evil, sick, twisted bitch. And Megan stood toe-to-toe with her and was eloquent when most people would have gotten in a fist fight because Joy has no class. And there's no disagreeing with Joy. Joy Behar might be the epitome of the liberal feminist female. The how dare you crowd. How dare you have an opinion that's not mine. Well, Megan appeared on Meet the Depressed Sunday. Also known as Meet the Press. If you talk to somebody at NBC. The show's been around forever. Moved further and further left over the last 
15 years. I mean, Chuck Todd's on there. F. Chuck Todd, as Rush used to call him. Chuck Todd is a, is a liberal mess. He barely can handle reporting when things aren't going for the Democrats. And people like Soledad O'Brien weighed in about Meghan McCain being on, being on Meet the Press, which is a journalism show. They should have guests from all points of view. But according to Soledad O'Brien, who is an anchor person, female, from CNN, of all networks, Soledad's going to weigh in as if she's a real journalist. Soledad's pretty. That's why Soledad O'Brien is somebody. That's why I know her. Okay? She's a good-looking lady. She speaks pretty well. She is not unbiased. She's a leftist. And she decided she was going to tweet about Meghan McCain. This young lady is not her father. She lies on camera. She has zero value as a guest. Oh, my God. Thank you, liberal minority female, for telling us what we should think about the white woman. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. God bless you. So Megan McCain, she's, she's her dad in one respect. She has sucked up to the left, and it's gotten her just about fucking nowhere. So as much as I think it's asinine that leftists and liberals are going after her for being on Meet the Press, it's a bit funny and a tad ironic that Megan has made no friends in that crowd, and she doesn't have a lot on the conservative side either. And her dad doesn't anymore after what he did with Trump and acted like such a sore loser for so many years. God rest his soul. But oh well. Even a, they got a, even a even a Harvard law pro- professor in on the action who retweeted or agreed to Soledad O'Brien's tweet and wrote, Meet the Press has lousy standards. Oh. Then some author, James Sirwicky, God, I don't even care enough to say his name right. I know Meet the Press isn't hallowed ground. But what has Meghan McCain ever done to deserve a spot on a panel talking about the politics of Biden's infrastructure plan? So maybe she's like on the show now. Maybe she's like on the panel. They're not a lot. Of, if they want to have a, a so-called conservative, there aren't many who would be remotely approved by the journalism circles in D.C. So Megan's, Megan's about it. Uh, I don't know who else. I mean, you know, what that fat guy mayor in New Jersey, Chris, what's his name? I love that I forgot his name. I love it. I don't remember his name at all. I know it's Chris, though, because I always thought Chris Kringle maybe when I saw him. Is it Chris? I don't know. The, the Sopranos want to be mayor from New, or governor from New Jersey, failed presidential candidate. He's, the, he's on MSNBC trying to argue points for the Republicans, but he's anti-Trump. So that's how he got in. Right? You have to swear an oath to hate Trump forever, hate his family, in order to be the talking head Republican on these networks. It's, it's like it's real. Um, I wonder what God, Jennifer Rubin got in. Jennifer Rubin is the most shameless leftist. She was defending Joe Biden. She writes for the Washington Post, so brag. She said um, that Meghan McCain's a liar, and um, boy, it's just it's just interesting. Ruben can't, she can't let anybody say anything negative about Joe Biden when there's only negative things to say about him. You should look up Jen Rubin when you get a chance. If you can stomach her tweets or her her commentary, she's probably the worst 
in all of the press, Jen Rubin, Jennifer Rubin is like the worst of the worst on the left. She has absolutely no credibility. So it's funny when she wants to weigh in on somebody else's credibility. I, I don't see her having a forum in that regard. Another story I enjoyed, and you probably did too, was Al Sharpton's sabbatical, right? Walk with Jesus down to the southern border of the United States. And you got to love it because we can imagine how those meetings went. You know, Al's still a guy. He's still a dude, right? I'm sure he had a failed show on MSNBC. He had an evening show for a while. I don't know what it was called, getting down with Al or some shit like that. But Al, you know, in a much slighter state than we remember him as children, right? Al had some weight loss surgery and looks a lot healthier when it comes to that regard. It's just not as fun to watch anymore, though. I'm sorry if I'm... Not to take too much of a tangent here, but if I'm going to church, and we're talking old school, get down church, I want the preacher to be big, man or woman. I want it big enough there. There's nothing like a big person getting fired up in the pulpit. Am I right? It's just different. There's more sweat, heavier breathing. It just looks harder to do. If you've got good cardio as a preacher, it's not as moving, right? If I really want to feel it, I need your heart rate to be in like at least the 160s. Then I know Jesus is talking through you. Now I'm getting my checkbook out. I don't think I'm donating to skinny preachers. I'm just saying. So it's definitely hurt Al being healthy. But it hasn't stopped him. And it certainly didn't stop him from taking the walk to the southern border, but he got heckled. It didn't work out. Thin Al can't hold it down like Big Al could. Because Thin Al got like one word out and some dude was saying, we don't want you here, get out. And people chimed in. It was basically like, hey, dude, we know you're down here just to pimp on this issue. And let's be real. Like I was going to say before, the meetings before that, you know, Al has not given a damn about the southern border or anybody's plight coming across the Rio Grande. People have had some really sad stories. There have been deaths, kids separated from their families in the wilderness. It's a terrible situation. And Biden's regime has encouraged it. But oh boy, Haitians are coming. And let's be real. If you compare the typical illegal alien crowd with those who were under the bridge up to 14,000 last week, that under the bridge crowd has a bit more of the big Al look. And I got to think someone had to tell him in the meeting, like, Al, we need to go down there. And I was like, the southern border? It's like Mexicans and people from Central America. That's not my gig. That's not my jam. And oh, Al, we got Haitians. And I'll probably be like, wait a minute, Haitians. I've heard of them before. You got a lot of earthquakes, right? Yes, Al. And here's a picture. And Al said, God damn, close enough. Let's go. And off he went. Well, and damn it, it did not go. It blew up. I mean, it was so bad, the mainstream press had to just ignore it. Gave him a pass. But Al, Al's, he can't do his thing anymore. At least not for Haitians. What's Al going to do? Was he going to go to Chicago? Every every city that he's ever claimed to care about, Al has won. Meaning Democrats, the people he backed, are in power. So basically, he helped those people take a shit on the cities he helped. That's great, Al. Nice work. Great legacy. I know you marched with Martin, maybe Malcolm too. Right? You and Jesse and everybody else that drops that every time. You know, Selma was a big deal. I get it. That was the 60s, dude. What have you done for us lately? Well, nothing on the southern border, which is 
damn goddamn tastic. Again, he's a Democrat. He's a liberal. Seeing him lose is fun. Well, he lost big. What a wasted trip. Anytime they waste a trip like that, I'll be damned. That's good. Um, New York Governor Hochul. This is the gal. I mean, it wasn't like things were going to get better or improve when Cuomo got Cuomo had to step down. Even that was fun. Because a year ago, the left was on their knees for him. I mean, the guy got an Emmy Award, and then they had to take it away because they're losers too. This gal, I mean, so sorry, ladies, but I don't count it. This isn't a first female winning anything when you got to do it by replacing a dude who steps down. It's not the same, okay? You didn't start the game. They didn't pick you. You're in because you're next in line. So I'm not celebrating this lady at all. And we know you don't really care because you didn't want none of y'all want to vote for a black man in California. But this gal, now governor, feeling it, Botox and all, to deploy medically trained National Guard troops to replace unvaccinated healthcare workers in hospitals. I'll say that again. She's so adamant about this deadline, which I believe is like tomorrow in New York. Healthcare workers, all of you, if you're not vaccinated, you're fired. That's the deadline. She's so good with that, she's going to take the National Guard and replace you. Like, you're just indispensable. Like, working in somebody's operating room or on someone's floor is just a plug-and-play deal. Wow. That's a big one. I mean, what's next? Arresting him? I mean, this is uh, this is quite a... Quite a power move from the next little fascist coming from the left. Quote from the governor who didn't win. I will be signing an executive order to give me, to give me, God, she's loving it. To give me the emergency powers necessary to address the shortages where they occur. Bitch, these are the shortages that you and de Blasio created. And now you're going to, you're going to vote something. You're going to sign something else. That might be illegal, might lose in the Supreme Court, to put the National Guard in place of people that you're causing to lose their jobs, who were supposedly the big-time heroes a year ago, now they're twisting in the wind because they didn't get the shot. The governor's vaccine mandate for healthcare workers goes into effect at midnight tonight, so it is tomorrow. And just like that, according to Gateway Pundit, last year's healthcare heroes are today's villains. Isn't that something? They don't care about anybody. They don't. You stand in the liberals' way, they'll kill you. They'll ignore your dead body. They'll ignore your dying body to get their way. Because remember, everything they do is the name of justice. So that's how they sleep at night. They never feel bad. Nothing, no loss, no retribution will ever make them feel bad. Don't ever try to defeat a liberal or correct them to make them feel something. The people that talk about their feelings the most feel the least. That's with anybody, but especially the left. Oh, Lord. Well, I don't know. We haven't talked a lot about it, but something I was very passionate about a few years ago and I still follow is Antifa. The anti-fascists in name only. These are the people that are that became... Big causes about the vaccine. It's all your skinny white liberal kids. 
that have inserted themselves into the social justice arena violently. They lose most of the fights. They made sure anybody that opposed them was labeled racist, bigot, homophobe, to include the Proud Boys, which they are not. That is a fact. Minorities are part of the Proud Boys. You can look up what's left of them. They are a a Western chauvinistic male group. means they like the old school ways. They're chivalrous. They like the traditional family thing and all that. May not be for you, may not be for me, but they're not racist. They were big Trump guys, and they like to fight skinny liberals. I'm down with some of that. I think skinny, violent liberals getting punched is pretty freaking awesome. Well, for years, these Antifa idiot thugs would get away with doing anything. In these liberal cities where they would do rallies, they would bait the Proud Boys and Republicans to come and counter-protest. And Antifa always started it. Every video, they made people bleed first, but they pre-protected. Well, there's finally some retribution starting. If you didn't see about this, this happened, I believe, in Washington, Olympia, Washington. A lot of this goes down in Seattle, Portland, and surrounding areas of those cities. There's surveillance video for everything. And one of these guys shot a very well-known Proud Boy who happens to be Tongan, you know, the racist white nationalist. Big like Samoan Tongan looking dude. Goes by tiny. He's kind of infamous. Um, no one can fight him square up. So some dude shot him, like, with a gun, right? They shot this Samoan kid. It's a big boy. And claimed it was friendly fire. Well, finally, they're so fed up with this that even leftist Washington and the leftist cities like Olympia and Seattle are turning on their own. Because you can find quotes going back a year and before about how great Antifa is, right? And I would have been an Antifa member in the old World War II days in Europe. Punching Nazis, great. Problem with the modern Antifa movement is that everybody who disagrees with them is a Nazi, so they get to punch everybody by their own rules. And they're, a bunch, they're communists. That's really what they are. You get into their ideology, they're very Marxist. They're very much like BLM that way. Very Marxist, very anti-capitalist, anti-work, all about communism, socialism. Well, they finally unmasked the guy and reported that this 36-year-old, imagine you're 36, you're out shooting guys who disagree with you political. Benjamin... Anthony Varela, there's only one else, I'm saying Varela, not Varela, it's Varela, was arrested on Thursday and charged with first-degree assault while armed with a deadly weapon. Tiny survived. That's a big charge. He's being held on $100,000 bail, and it's pretty fantastic that they're finally arresting these guys for being violent. Because they're showing up to, to gatherings with they have Republicans that are senior citizens, very peaceful. They're taking signs away, and they've done so with impunity. And for a while, the Proud Boys and those groups stopped fighting. They got re-energized after the recent election, after a lot of the steel allegations, and they're showing up unarmed, but pretty heavy. You got a lot of these veterans, combat veterans who aren't small, that throw a helmet on and might put a bandana over their face and just go hang out with their patriotic friends at maybe what's called an anti-vaccination rally. Always peaceful. This was big-time bait for Antifa in recent months. So much so, they shot a guy. Well, now at least, I'm telling you, I have not 
been able to report that these people have been arrested. There have been stabbings and worse. And they seem to get away with it. But you have Proud Boys still sitting in jail in New York for winning a fight, a fist fight. So it's it's never been balanced. And it's nice to see, at least finally, law enforcement doing its job regardless of political affiliation. Because I'd be saying the same thing if the person identified as a Republican or a conservative. There's no place for it. Now, if I'm at a rally exercising my First Amendment right and you want to touch anything and stop me in any way, we're jumping from A to Z fast. I'm not going to give you a chance to tie your shoes, stretch, limber up, get warm. I'm beating you senseless if you touch me or any of my shit. I take it very seriously. And I honestly would defend somebody I disagreed with if they weren't allowed to exercise their First Amendment right. The view doesn't matter. But to Antifa, everything against what they believe is hate. And that's the whole danger of what liberals started. They started everything that's shit in our lives. Is they talked about hate speech. That's the little adjective, right? Hate speech now makes it not free speech. Well, who decides it's hate? You look around, like, what's hate speech? Dictionary won't tell you. Google won't tell you. Don't worry, your liberal friends will tell you what hate speech is. They will tell you. Just like those... Superstar girls at Arizona State I talked about a few days ago that harassed and attacked those two guys who dared to have a sticker on their laptop that said, police matter. Not even police lives, just police matter. That was too much for these two. And so they had to shut them down. Man, so I'm on the road. I'm not in my normal setting, so I don't have my usual computer to read the news. I hope I didn't miss anything big because I have before and I always feel bad as if you give a shit what I have to say about it. I'm assuming you do if you're listening right now. But I had a run. Um, this show had a couple skips in it. I learned not to plug my device in to any kind of audio device for power purposes while I'm broadcasting because I did record like 10 minutes a couple times. At least I thought I was recording. I was talking into a device that wasn't recording. So I've learned that lesson tonight. But I powered on, went back, listened to where I stuff. So you might hear a couple little skips. But I got good notes. I stayed on topic, I hope. I really appreciate you listening. It's going to be an interesting week with the government shutdown looming, and I'll um, I'll get a little more detailed on the Virginia Virginia race between McAuliffe and Yunkin. Um, I'll close with it real quick. It's close in the polls. This one matters to me. I'd love for Yunkin to win. He's a, he's a newcomer. He's definitely an underdog because Terry McAuliffe has been governor in Virginia before. He was governor until 2018. I can't remember why he quit. He run for senator or something. He's your typical punk leftist. He's running a a typical cliche playbook liberal liberal campaign, anti-Trump, because Trump endorsed Yunkin, pro-abortion, right, women's rights. And he's got all the white people, all the white liberals in northern Virginia that will probably carry him across the finish line. But the race tightened a little bit, and they got another debate tomorrow night. I believe the election's in a week. So it might be a fun debate to watch. That's Tuesday night, the 28th, between Terry McAuliffe and Yunkin. I don't know what his first name is, but Yunkin's the Republican businessman. Great guy. Would do a hell of a job. Let's hope Virginia doesn't go totally blue again. And then they'll go right down the path of Gavin Newsom and the California Democrats of locking in universal mail-in ballots and harvesting forever. Thanks for listening, everyone. Really appreciate it. God bless. Have a great evening, and we will talk to you soon.